Welcome to the Voices in Recovery podcast. Voices in Recovery is produced by Freedom's Path Recovery Society, a registered Canadian charity. If you enjoy the podcast, please consider a donation at www.freedomspathrecoverysociety.ca. All donations go directly to assisting Freedom's Path in providing services free of charge and helps us keep the podcast going. We are grateful for any and all donations. This podcast discusses difficult topics such as childhood abuse, drug and alcohol use, sexuality, sexualized trauma, and more. If you are under the age of 18, please speak with your legal guardian prior to listening. The opinions expressed during the podcast are those of the individual and not those of Voices in Recovery or Freedom's Path Recovery Society. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy the podcast. This podcast is being recorded on the traditional land of the Blackfoot Confederacy. This consists of the Kainai, Pekani, Siksika, and the Blackfeet in the U.S. We acknowledge the Stony Nakoda, which consists of the Bearspaw, Morley, and Chinookie. We acknowledge the Satina, who are Dene, and the Métis, Inuit, status and non-status from all of Turtle Island, and those who are visiting. We are all treaty people. So Priya, thank you for coming. Um, please tell us about yourself. Uh, I met you at Simon House, which is, I don't know how recent that is that you came there, but you could be there for years and I wouldn't have known because who knows, COVID was pretty like isolating for lots of mm -hmm. people. So anyway, I'm gonna stop talking now. So thank you for coming. Well, thank you for having me. And yeah, I've been at Simon House for, it's a year actually. Oh, a year, right this on, yeah. right on. Do you like it there? I love it there. Yeah. Yeah. Not that you're uh, going to necessarily say anything here, but. Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I just no, kidding. I do. <laughs> it's, an, it's a good organization. Yeah. It's a good yeah. place. Yeah. It's really, uh, it feels like very worthwhile work. Mm -hmm. Fills me up. Mm -hmm. yeah. So how did you come to be there? Like, how, how did you come so, to enter the world of recovery and right, treatment right. centers? and? Yes. So that journey started uh, about 12 years ago. Mm -hmm. Um. And, you know, I'll start by saying, I, I often say to people, like, I never grew up in addiction. Mm -hmm. um, but now when I look back, I, was a, I grew up as a child in Fort McMurray. Mm -hmm. And now I realize that I was actually surrounded, surrounded by, by addiction. Yeah. But I didn't know that yeah. that was uh, a disease. I, I would mm -hmm. look at these people, right? And, you know, just think, why would someone want to choose that, mm -hmm. right? And it just never occurred to me that it's not really a choice. Mm -hmm. And so um, it's kind of ironic that I would end up, you know, with someone who, uh, like, I've never touched drugs in my life. Mm -hmm. Wow. <laughs> and uh, Good for you. Well, I don't know if it's good for me or not, yeah, but I, not? I was just so scared, right? Yeah. So it, it's kind of ironic that I have a child that suffers from mm. addiction because I had no idea what was going on. Yeah. She was about 14 years old when, it, when this started, mm. and uh, her father and I had separated three years prior, mm. and it was pretty um, amicable for the most part. Uh, but then when this started happening mm. with her, there was a lot of conflict because yeah. uh, I just thought it was crazy. Mm. And he thought it would be fine, right? Like she mm. was just acting out, it's okay. Yeah. Um, so there was a lot of struggle there. Uh, and I remember, you know, the first time she didn't come home mm. all night, 14 years old. Wow. And you're, you know calling the police and just terrified, really. Mm -hmm. And it just kept happening. And there was just, um, I, you know, then I, you know, as I started talking to the police mm -hmm. and different people, her school, um, 
realized that there was something going on with her. And I just figured it was this new crowd mm -hmm. that she had gotten involved with. And if she was taking drugs, then it was the drugs. And so yeah. I just had to get her off the drugs and everything would be back to normal, yeah. right? Um, it seems reasonable. It does. Yeah, yes. it seems in, in super moment, reasonable. Does, right? <laughs> yeah. And uh, it's funny because my parents live in Edmonton. Mm -hmm. And I remember telling my parents about, you know, this is like what was going on with her and they just couldn't believe it. Mm -hmm. And my dad came down because he was going to, you know, fix this. Right? Set her straight. He's a fixer. Yeah. Right? And uh, <clears throat> she just, you know, I remember sitting there in the living room and she just got up and she headed towards the door and he goes, what are you doing? And she goes, I'm leaving or I'm going out. Mm -hmm. And he said, what do you mean you're going out? Tell your mother what's going on. And she just opened the door and slammed it. And my kids were never disrespectful, mm -hmm. especially to my their grandparents, yeah. right? So I, he was stunned. And then he's looking at me like I'm supposed to run after mm -hmm. her. And I'm just like, I don't, like, I don't know what to do. Yeah. And he got up and he said, I can't help you. And he left. <laughs> and wow. like he, and, and I had never felt so just alone yeah. and, you know, and, and I'm also the fixer in the family, yeah. right? So for my dad to do that, it was a lot of, um, you know, probably just disbelief mm -hmm. and uh, fear because he didn't know what to do. Yeah, no doubt. So, um, it yeah. sounds kind of like that, hey, where it's just like, oh, this is too big for me, I'm out of here. It's just like, I don't know yeah. what to do. Like I, and so... Well, scary. Yeah, it was scary and it was mm -hmm. scary for me. For sure. Um, but uh, we, you know, there were a lot of peach out orders mm -hmm. and, um, you know, encounters with the police yeah. and just lots of chaos, me, um, mm -hmm roaming the streets like we lived in Cochrane at the time and I'm sure I banged on every door you know <laughs> trying mm -hmm. to find her yeah. but you know as one door closes another one opens like mm -hmm. it's just everywhere this right and yeah <clears throat> and then you know roaming the streets of Calgary mm -hmm. by myself trying to find out where she was and probably in areas I shouldn't have been yeah, <laughs> but well. I didn't care you yeah. know you just you're in this like uh like a mama bear mode you know yeah. Tunnel wanna, vision for yeah, sure. Yeah, and you want to just, that's it. I, yeah. need to, I need to save my child. Yeah. And um, so anyway, after a lot of that, I ended up um, uh, hearing about ARC, mm -hmm. Alberta Adolescent Recovery Center. And it was actually, um, I think, one of the vice principals at her school mm -hmm. that said, you know, she needs to be like, uh, what do they call it? Like regulated or something, mm -hmm. you know, and, and yeah. ARC might be the answer. So, and I'd actually heard of ARC probably six, eight months prior. Mm -hmm. And, but her dad wasn't all for that. And I'm looking at it going, wow, it sounds really intense, intense for parents. Intense. Yeah. So we tried all yeah. these different things, you know, and Viros and the mm -hmm. ADAC program it wasn't working. So, um, I decided that, um, I would take mm -hmm. her to ARC. That's a huge decision. It was huge. Yeah. yeah. And her brother, um, he was at university in Edmonton at the mm -hmm. time. He came down on the weekend and, and I remember she, um, She'd gone, like, so I'll back up a bit. I had to get parental control mm -hmm. in order to do this because yeah. her, um, her father wasn't for it. And so we're in court, mm -hmm. and um, the judge granted me parental control. And so then he let my daughter know, and so then she took off. Mm -hmm. And so anyway, we found her. She came back. Yeah. Um, I think it was a Saturday night. The police brought her back or Sunday morning. And then my son and I um, said we were going 
I told her that I was, we were going to the police. The police wanted us go, mm -hmm. to go down there because they wanted a statement from her for the, the men that she was with. I said, I'm charging them with statutory rape. Mm -hmm. <laughs> she was like, yeah, this isn't right, blah, blah, blah. So she's all prepared to go down and mm -hmm. like defend these, whoever they were. Right? Yeah. So I'm driving in my vehicle. My, my son is taking her in, in his vehicle. Mm -hmm. And uh, <laughs> you know, he says he remembers driving and she's like putting on her makeup and it's like oh yeah you know the music playing and she's yeah. singing along and he's thinking she has no clue yeah what's about to happen mm -hmm. right and so we we drive to arc and then immediately uh counselors come out and they just take her right mm -hmm. and then we do this intake and she's just yeah freaking out yeah. oh my dad this can't happen mm -hmm. blah 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 right then anyway we um we were in arc for nine and a half months mm -hmm. and it's uh it wasn't until month four so we went february 14th actually okay i told her it was my gift of love <laughs> <laughs> happy valentine's happy day. valentine's day yeah that's lovely so we uh so she went in in february and at arc um you you have a recovery home uh, mm -hmm. like a yeah a recovery home i guess and the kids come yeah and uh, but you, your child doesn't actually come back to your house, to your yeah. house until they get step four. Mm. So it took her four months, and so it was like the end of June. Yeah, end of June, beginning mm -hmm. of July, July long okay. weekend. And she's home, and there are two other girls um, that are there. One's an old comer. They call them old comers after mm -hmm. they hit stage, uh, step four, and then a newcomer, and. Um, Anyway, I, I thought everything was going great. Mm -hmm. You know, she's just, she's back and she's got her sense of humor. And I just thought this was perfect, right? Mm -hmm. we're, we're done, right? I didn't believe, like I read a lot about addiction mm -hmm. once I got there and researched it. But in my heart of hearts, I'm just like, no way, mm -hmm. right? It's just the drugs, yeah. right? I couldn't imagine um, living a life with, with this. Because mm -hmm. I, you know, you meet the, the other parents that come and some of the stories, I was just like, oh my God, like, I yeah. don't know how you could do that, right? But uh, anyway, one morning I woke up and the house was empty and the kids had escaped and uh, it was just horrible, horrible mm -hmm. feeling because, you know, I wasn't on my game mm -hmm. and um, one of the, the new girl, I just thought, holy cow, what, what's going to happen? Mm -hmm. And so anyway, I went straight to ARC, called the police, went straight mm -hmm. to ARC. Um, anyway, the girls ended up coming back like within 24 hours, mm -hmm. okay. came back to ARC. And <clears throat> that's when I learned that like within that 24 hours, they were in some seedy motel and she was doing like crystal meth or something. Mm -hmm. it, it just, it was like a punch in the gut. No I remember doubt. thinking, what? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, it must have just felt so insane to you. It right? was just, yeah. what is going on? Yeah. And then the reality of, oh my God, she does suffer from addiction. Mm -hmm. And uh, what does the future look like, mm -hmm. right? So anyway, um, got to work because in ARC, the, the kids are doing their steps. Mm -hmm. The parents are also working through their steps. And oh, yeah, uh, I forgot you guys have to do the steps. Too. Oh yeah, we That's do. Right. We do the steps. It's very intense. And it, it was interesting because as I was going through them and I, I had resistance, like, a, mm -hmm. like a lot of the clients that I see now, I didn't like some of the language. Mm -hmm. I didn't like, um, it just felt very kind of 
negative a bit. Mm -hmm. um, but I felt like I had gone through the steps without even knowing it when mm -hmm. I went through my divorce. Uh, okay. Because uh, there was a lot of this, okay, like owning my shit, as mm -hmm. I said. And yeah. when I did that and just took responsibility for my part, it was just freedom, mm -hmm. right? Because now I can actually do what I want. I can yeah. make a decision to be like that or not, right? Mm -hmm. So um, it took me a while to to get going with mm -hmm. the steps, kind of like my daughter, you know? Yeah. Uh, we are a lot alike in that regard, <laughs> you know, very kind of strong-headed. Yeah. Um, but I did it and um, started going through it, and it, it was... Um, it, it still took a while, though, for the acceptance piece, you know? Mm -hmm. Like you, yeah, it just, it did take a while. And anyway, she graduated mm -hmm. nine and a half months later. And then, and that was November. And then by Christmas, she was already relapsing. Mm -hmm. And uh, so then I got her back on a refresher in January. Mm -hmm. And she did six-week refresher, and um, by June she was gone. Mm -hmm. So here she is, uh, six, no, um, 15, not quite 16. Mm -hmm. Or no, by June she was 16, sorry. So here she is 16, and um, she's gone, mm -hmm. right? Um, minimal contact, um, and so then it was just this whole, you know, I hear about hear parents that said, oh, I didn't hear from my, my son or my daughter for months mm -hmm. or a year. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, how yeah. does that, like, how can you handle that? Right. It's pretty daunting. Yeah. And, uh, and then in trouble with the law and, mm -hmm. you know, calls from remand, like fast forward, all the stuff that you just, or I dreaded, or mm -hmm. I would just like, you know, when I'd hear the stories of other yeah. parents and their kids, I just thought, there's no way I can do it. No yeah. way. Like, slit the wrists, I'm out, right? Yeah. But well, it's, it's amazing, you know, but when, when you're in it, mm -hmm. you you just, you do, right? Yeah. And, yeah, it took a lot, uh, a lot of um, time, mm -hmm. you know, because uh, I tried everything. You know, like, for me, it's like, I, I have to do everything that I know of. Mm -hmm before I go, okay, I've done everything, right? Yeah. So, you know, in ARC, they teach you kind of like a tough love approach. Mm -hmm. And so I've done everything, changed the locks on the door yeah. so she can't come in, getting the calls, please, you know, and going, no. Mm -hmm. um, meeting her, you know, at like Chinook Mall and then leaving when she's, you know, crying to come mm -hmm. home. And I'm like, no, because she's not. And I don't know, if, like when I look back, I go, I, I don't think I would ever do that again. Mm -hmm. I don't know. You know, but I, I did the hard way, the mm -hmm. hard, tough love. I've done not that. Yeah. <laughs> and so you've what tried I've come, them. I've tried both. Yeah. And what I've come to know is that it really doesn't matter what I do. Mm -hmm. It's what she is going to do. Yeah. And my part is, like, my daughter knows that she is loved. Mm -hmm. The family loves her no matter what. And the door is always open. You know, when she chooses recovery, the door is always open. Yeah. And um, she came, so, I mean, from 16, she's 27 now. Oh, wow. And she's never lived at home for any long period of time yeah. in that whole period, like most of her adult life now. Mm -hmm. And she came home in 2020, um, in April, kind of the start of COVID. Yeah. And um, 
she's addicted to opiates, so we had her on the Suboxone program, mm -hmm. and you know she was doing well, like, and she wanted to do yoga, so mm -hmm. she was doing that. But um, it didn't last, and I knew that it was up and down. It, like, you know, I I could tell she was uh, lapsing, I guess. Mm -hmm. And we talked about it, yeah. and I said, you know, I don't want you to freak out. You know, relapse is a part of recovery. Yeah, very much. I so. understand that. Mm -hmm. There can be no drugs in the house. I do not want you, you know, mm. um, under the influence in the house. And then that didn't happen, you know, it yeah. started to happen. And so anyway, um, 15 months later, August of last year, she just left, said she was going to a meeting and never came back. Um, and then I didn't hear from her. Mm. Oh, it was months, like uh, maybe the odd text, mm -hmm. but I didn't see her for 10 months. Yeah. And she contacted me just this last June and uh, said that she was clean and sober since June 5th. She'd been remanded. Mm -hmm. And in remand, um, I guess she said she was supposed to be released on this one day. Yeah. And then something happened and she wasn't. It was delayed. Mm -hmm. And she said, I just went and I just prayed and like, give me a sign to I'll do anything. And, mm -hmm. and then they offered the Suboxone program to her, so she did it. Mm -hmm. So... Um, now she's in contact. In fact, I, I just spoke to her as I was on my way here. Oh, cool. I'm still, you know, I don't see her very often, but yeah. she's come for dinner. She's seen her, her brother who mm -hmm. is now living in Ontario and her sister that's in BC and we were right all on. together. And so she's come and had dinner a few times. Excellent. So that's good. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and I, it's one day at a time. But for me, I've come to a place where I... I, um, you know, you still, you still worry, mm -hmm. you know, I still love my child and there are days when I just, you know, ugh, I, I think okay. maybe too much, mm -hmm. but overall, I think, uh, compared to, to where I was yeah. and where I am now is huge. It's mm -hmm. a huge journey. Right. And there's a sense of calm. Mm -hmm. And, um, I always tell people, you know, I, I leaned into love instead of fear, because mm -hmm. uh, it's easy to get sucked into that vortex, and I was there for oh, a long, long time. Easy to be afraid, for sure. Very easy to be afraid. Yeah. And, you know, I also um, realized that my head goes to places that, you know, are even more extreme sometimes mm -hmm. than what's really happening. Yeah. And sometimes I, I think about, oh my gosh, she must be so scared, or mm -hmm. she must be so this or that. But, you know, when she's in her addiction, she's not. Yeah. You know, she doesn't She's not care. feeling that. She doesn't yeah. feel anything. She doesn't care. Yeah. So, you know, I'm grateful that, um, you know, I think she's in recovery. She, mm -hmm. she says she is. And, you know, who knows, right? Yeah. Um, she's got it in her for sure. Mm -hmm. She's got it in her. And she has a lot of people that love her. Yeah. And, you know, that's it. And for me, um, yeah, the same, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, it's addiction is such a like for my family nobody yeah. understood what was going on okay and so it was like you know what did you do oh it must be because you got divorced it's mm. got to be the divorce oh my gosh look what you've done to yeah, your they're always children. looking for a reason they're right? all i was looking for a reason for sure but i couldn't i i didn't believe that so you yeah. know some people really isolate because yeah. they feel shame mm -hmm. and i was just so confused and I wanted answers and mm -hmm. I wanted to know why, right? And how do I fix this? And mm -hmm. I was like talking to everybody, like help me, right? Mm -hmm. 
Um, but it, it, the hard, it was hard with the, with my parents in particular, yeah. you know, because they, you know, they're older and I didn't want them worrying mm -hmm. and, you know, and then my dad especially would be always giving her money. Like mm -hmm. she would email him and he'd, you know, find a way to, to get money to yeah. her. And I think he, he's now obviously you know, a dozen years later, he's figured yeah. out that that's not the way and it doesn't fix anything. Yeah. But I, it's where a lot know, of people start, though. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I did too. Right? I, I know. It's like you're like, well, how's she eating? And yeah. Well, you know, you don't want her to do things that she doesn't have to do. Just here. And it's like right? the easiest. Re it's like the easiest thing you can do, it's right? Is just to give do. some money. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It is. It's the easiest thing to do. But um, yeah, I mean, my family now is much more uh, understanding mm -hmm. because. They had to be if they yeah. want to be around me. You they had know? to figure it out. Yeah, we've learned a lot mm -hmm. about addiction. And, you know, and now, so I, now I choose to work in recovery and mm -hmm. with, with uh, people that are trying to find recovery, right? Mm -hmm. I find it hugely fulfilling. Yeah. And when I didn't have contact with my daughter, it just, it, it filled me up. It made mm -hmm. me feel like I was doing something for somebody, right? Mm -hmm. That might make a difference. Yeah. Um, because well, I certainly couldn't, are. I couldn't yeah. have that with her, mm -hmm. you know, or, or maybe it is and it's just, it's not obvious to me. It's just different. Yeah. yeah maybe it is yeah. different. Yeah. So I'm a huge advocate. Mm -hmm. I talk about um, this disease any chance I get mm -hmm. to educate people um, and to advocate for the rights, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and the humanity, right, mm -hmm. the dignity. Um, so, and that's one of the things I stress at Simon House with the staff, you know, like, come on, mm -hmm. where's the dignity in that? Yeah. You know, let's not give them a garbage bag with their bed sheets and stuff mm -hmm. in it. How about we not do that? How about we make their bed and have a little care mm -hmm. package, right? So, just these things, these little things that uh, it's a li it's a little. It seems like a little thing, but it's pretty big. And I think y it comes from leaning into love instead of fear. Yeah. Because yeah. when we lean into love, especially with people like like myself, addicts and alcoholics, like. Love is something we are starving for, yeah. right? Yeah. And and most of us, when we decide that we're going to try to sober up, the last thing we need is more abuse, right? Exactly. Like, and more judgment. Or and I'm not suggesting that that people do that at Simon House. I'm no, just no, saying no. that's the last thing we need, right? Is we need a little bit of yeah. love. We need like, what's wrong with making the bed? Yeah. Yeah. Well, feeling that you're worthy of that. Yeah. Totally. You know, you're worthy of that. Yeah, whether you've used yesterday or not, you're or still not, worthy. Or whether you came from the street mm -hmm. to us, yeah, you're worthy of, you know, something mm. better. And so, yeah, exactly. And that it, makes me really happy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I love it there. I mean, the, the clients are just. I see. Mm. I see their light. You know what I mean? I yeah. do. I really do. And I love them. Mm -hmm. And I want them to succeed. Uh, I want them to to go on and live their best life. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, whatever that looks like, right? Whatever it looks like. Yeah. Well, uh, and that's the other thing, right? You know, I'm um, a big advocate of this, uh, the recovery coaching. Mm -hmm. um, I've taken the training myself. I want all my staff to take the training mm -hmm. because, you know, it, it's about recovery. Yeah. And it's not about recovery the way I see it for you. It's about recovery the way you see it for mm -hmm. you. And so if someone is living their best life mm -hmm. uh, on their terms, what's wrong with that? Yeah, yeah. precisely. Yeah. That's a, to me, that's very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Encouraging. 
right? It's mm -hmm. very encouraging because like one of the reasons why I've, uh, like why we created Freedom's Path was because of, we, I wanted to be more leaning out of love, right? As opposed to having rules and all kinds of stuff, which don't get me wrong, we need rules. We do. I'm not yeah. suggesting we don't. Mm -hmm. I, it's just not my first focus. My first focus is there's a human here. What can I do for this human? Yeah. Like, what does this human need? Mm -hmm. And then ask them, right? And yeah. like you said, if just because the life might not look like one that I thought would be good for me, doesn't mean it's not good for them, right? And thankfully, as a social worker, I'm required to constantly um, relearn self-determination, right? And what that really means for clients, because that is at my core. It's, I think it's probably what pushed me towards social work, right? Was the... Mm -hmm. No, I will not tell you what you need to do. You need to tell me what you want to do, yeah. what you want to do, right? And then we'll see how we can get there. Um, right. And that, it sounds the same thing, right? Like that, Yeah. there's no cookie-cutter way to do this. No. Right? Because if there was, we would all be fine. That's right. Right? But we're not the same. And so we don't come from the same backgrounds. We don't come... So to think that we have the same starting point would be ridiculous, mm -hmm. like in recovery, right? Because like, for example, I have... Like my mom and my dad, they've always given us love. They were together. They, they provided a foundation for when I sobered. And they happened to be programmed as well, right? So I had that when I sobered up. Yeah. If I didn't have that, I might not be sober, right? Like, and I, I, can, I can see the differences, right? Like now, and I'm sure you can too, from, from your experiences where you know that not everybody starts at the same place, no. right? Like not only do I have two parents, but I have two brothers who are very, very very much willing and able to do whatever needs to be done, right? Like yeah. in terms of that. And, and so, yeah, I know that I didn't have to worry about that. So I could just focus on not drinking, right? Whereas uh, some people have to worry about that because that's what's going on for them. Whether it's like stress or strife with, with their family and they're young or they're older and there's still that stress and strife that's never been addressed, right? It's like, yeah. I, um, so that automatically mm -hmm. makes it a little bit easier for me. You know, um, I'm not suggesting it was easy because it's never easy to quit and stay quit um, because I know lots of people who can't and mm -hmm. it's because it's so hard, right? Um, and they don't have the supports maybe or maybe they're just not able to do, to do it, right? And if they could, if harm, this is where I'm leading is harm reduction, right? Is harm reduction saves lives, right? Is, yes. um, it doesn't mean that abstinence is bad. It just means it's not the only way. That's exactly, all, right? yes. And, and I think... Like the person that we talked to before you came in today is a harm reduction advocate in mm -hmm. Airdrie. Um, and it's just, it's amazing to me how, how many lives could be saved just by this switch of our thinking, right? Where you're, you're still lovable even if you're using. Like you're still lovable. There's nothing not lovable about you. What it is is that we're just not, we don't like the behavior that comes exactly. from using. So then we put that on the person and we right. say, well, that's who the person is. But yeah. that's not true, right? It's the behavior. That's the ugly part of addiction, right? It exactly. brings out the ugly. Yes. But it's not you. Yeah. Like it's not your, your core. It's not you. Yeah. It basically takes that stuff that most people hide in the deep <laughs> corners of their mind and it puts it out in front for everybody. And that's kind of what happens for us when, well, for me, it's booze, right? Like you just give me a little bit of booze. We were talking about it earlier and because I just turned 18 so sober from booze, right? And, and thank you. But it, it's such a different thing, right? Like than drugs. It's like the, 
the alcoholic gets demonized, the drugs get demonized, but now the addict's getting demonized too. Mm-hmm. Because people are, are not, people who don't understand, they assume it's a, a will thing. It's exactly. a matter of will. Yeah. Or if we could choose, we would, you know, we, we, we should choose differently. Right. And, and of course, you mentioned it. At a certain point, we have no more choice. Like, we've lost it. At first, yes, I had a choice. I had a choice whether to start drinking to change my feelings. And I chose to drink, right? So that was my choice for sure. But at a certain point, that apple turns. Yeah, but you didn't know when you chose to drink that that switch would go, right? Exactly. Because that's how my daughter started. Exactly. I mean, I had a drink at 15. Yeah. You know? And lots of people did. And lots of people do, mm-hmm. right? So, and they don't turn into me, right? It, yes. And they don't, they don't turn into, what's your daughter's name? Cassidy. Cassidy? I just didn't want to say your daughter every time. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> and, and they don't have to go through what Cassidy has to go through. Exactly. Yeah. And I it's... mean, her friends, the friends that she grew up with, mm-hmm. they were all experimenting with alcohol and yeah. probably marijuana. Mm-hmm. But they were going to school Monday morning and everything was fine. And it's like, where's Cassidy? <laughs> right? That's, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Fell right off the rails that yeah. quickly. And it's, it happens like that. And especially yeah. now with the availability of drugs, right? Oh, and then, the, yeah. I mean, it's every corner. Yeah. Like you can pretty, and, and you, you don't have to even know where to go to find it, right? Like right. it's well, and uh, now they're so physically addictive, and they're changing mm-hmm. your your brain, right? Oh yeah, because you you probably see a lot of fentanyl like coming yes. through your doors, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and so that I, I can't imagine it because when I was still using fentanyl, was just in hospitals. Like you didn't even hear about it, yeah. like out there. It was morphine and morphine. That was it. Maybe oxy's started to catch on. Okay. But fentanyl, nobody talked about that because you would die, yeah, <laughs> right? Exactly. And and now, it just seems yeah. like I mean every I mean I know everyone's mixing it, mm-hmm. so even though people might be smoking meth, they could be smoking fentanyl. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And so, tell me, has that been like for you guys at Simon House for your year that you've been there at least? Um, have you seen that? Like the yes, because we know there's an opiate crisis, but you would know better than me. Oh, right? there is an opiate First crisis. Hand. For right. sure. Yeah. And, um, you know, the brothers, because they, they call mm-hmm. um, the clients the brothers that we've lost, have been to overdoses, but uh, a lot of them, you know, were, things are laced. Mm-hmm. And when we look at drug of choice, very few list alcohol as their first drug of choice. Yeah. It's usually what we're seeing is um, cocaine methamphetamines mm-hmm. and um, opiates. Opiates, yeah. And we have um, many of our clients on Suboxone mm-hmm. or Methadone. So, oh good, Simon House is oh, allowing... Oh, we're harm reduction and now NKDN. Fantastic. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. And we have a, a, a doctor <clears throat> on site twice a week. Yeah. He is also in recovery. Right And on. he specializes in addiction. Mm-hmm. And so he, you know, when you think about a, a client, you know, dysregulated sleep. Yeah and they can't sleep, and then you know how lack of sleep affects everything, mm-hmm. right? Well, he knows you know, what to prescribe. Mm-hmm. He's not afraid to prescribe some medications so that he can alleviate some of the suffering, yeah. right? Oh, thank God. So, um, you know, on the one hand, I'm thinking, well, maybe we should try meditation or something, but... Well, maybe add meditation. But, but oh, we will, yeah. we do, we do. Yeah. But, you know, sometimes, you know, I don't wanna medicate everything, just... For sure. That's my own personal, but... Yeah. Um, it's good to have somebody like that on mm-hmm. staff, right? A physician that I, I, I think, understand. I think that's incredible. Like, yeah. I don't know if, you, if you're aware of how long we have been without that. Like, treatment centers have kicked people out because of their yeah. medications, right? right? 
and to see the shift. I mean, I'm glad, so glad, right? Oh, me too, because it yeah. it's life-changing. 100%. It is absolutely life-changing. Yeah. And they uh, many go on to live really good, productive lives. For right? sure they do. So what if you have to take a medication? Lots yeah. of people have to take medication for yeah. different things. Right? Exactly. You know, it's interesting talking about that because... Um, it reminded me of my mother, right? So my mother suffers from uh, clinical depression, mm -hmm. and she's been on medications for decades. Yeah. And, and so for me to help her understand addiction, I said to her, remember how it was when you, didn't, you weren't diagnosed and you didn't mm -hmm. have your medications, yeah. right? Uh, how would you feel if someone just said, well, come on, just be happy. Just get Know yourself. It. What's the matter with you? You're yeah. weak. Like, why are you thinking this way? Mm -hmm. I said, you know, it's the same thing with addiction. Yeah. It's it's a disease. It's a brain disease. Mm -hmm. And they don't have, I mean, yes, now they have some medications to yep. help with the cravings. But I said, for the most part, we're talking like 12-step or smart recovery. Mm -hmm. Like, you you know, you want to talk about will? Yeah. You really have to, you know, really want mm -hmm. it. So when you it's talk true. about, when I look at at you know, people that, that relapse and just can't find that long-term mm -hmm. recovery because that really bugged me. It's like, why? And then yeah. I, I talked to so many people that have long-term recovery mm -hmm. and I talked to people that had it and then relapsed and came mm -hmm. back and uh, why, why, what happened, right? And there are no real solid yeah, answers. There true. really are no solid answers. Yeah. I think it's the nature of the disease. Yeah. And so it leaves like blank spots, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like you does. can't explain it because you you're like, well, I just like, ended up there. It's so frustrating yeah. and it's kind of scary, right? Really scary. And I, um, and I look at, you know, I hate it actually when people, you know, if a, if a client of ours, you know, decides to exit or relapses, mm -hmm. well, they just weren't willing. Oh my gosh. It drives me nuts. Yeah. And I hear it all the time. Cause it's not true. And I'm just like, what do you mean they weren't willing? No one wants to go back to how they were living. Yeah. It's the nature of the disease. But yeah. this, this is what is so pervasive still, right? Mm -hmm. In trying to change um, perceptions and mm -hmm. stigma, this kind of talk, yeah. it needs to stop. And it's the recovery community that talks like that the oh, most. Yeah. yeah. And so, you well, know. Well, because the recovery community has been the 12-step fellowships exactly. forever. Yeah. And so to, and don't get me wrong, 12-step fellowships are wonderful. Um, I sobered up in one, right? Mm -hmm. However, I also recognize they're not the only thing out there, and yeah. they never should be. Right. And, and they don't, the, the members of the, these groups have no right to tell other people what sobriety looks like, right? And, and to be honest with you, it's in our literature. So when people do talk about it, they're making it up. Based on how they feel safe, right? Yeah. So, and that's fair because that's what we do. Because that's what they know. That's, that's all right. they know. It works for know. me. That's got to be the way. That's right? right. But, but now, and and I mean, again, I can't say this enough. The fact that you allow people to take their meds, it takes a barrier away, yes. right away, yes. for them getting well, mm -hmm. because there is absolutely no way that a person who requires antidepressants should be off them, right? Agreed. And to expect them to get better. Right. Without them. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you and I are on the same page in terms of like medicating everyone. I don't think so. But I don't think we're medicating everyone. I think what's happening is, first of all, for alcoholics and addicts, a lot of us medicated ourselves. 
Yeah. Because we we had symptoms, mm -hmm. and we we figured out ways to make the symptoms less. Because I'm I'm yeah. uh, severe depressive disorder as well, like your mom, right? I have to take medication, mm -hmm. and if it, it it's okay, right? I'm okay with it. Um, but I've also been around the fellowships long enough to hear that there's lots of people who think if you're taking your medication, you're not sober, mm -hmm. right? So would they say that to a diabetic? No. Right. No, but so it's only it's, the stuff with the brain. That's right? right, because you can't see it. Exactly. Right, because yep. so, and in some people's minds, if they can't see it, it's not real. Well, then that means your alcoholism isn't real either, because you can't see that, right? Except for you when can, you act you, it out. But now you can see those the dysregulation and the dysfunction of the brain. You can learn it. That's yeah. why it's called a disease. Yeah. It's not functioning totally normally. And it's why we tell people that you can't cure this illness with your own brain. Right. Because that brain is ill. So it's going to have all kinds of weird theories about getting better. Yeah. Right? And that's, I mean, Hard. for when I worked at another at a treatment center, I won't say which one it was, um, you couldn't be there on certain medications. And I don't think, I don't think they allowed you to take, I can't remember what it was, but they would kick people out, right? And, and all of them at the same time would do the same thing. They would just be like, no, we can't deal with it. And fair enough, I get it, because they thought... There's only one way to do this. You either mm -hmm. do nothing or you're not well. And, and to me, that just makes no sense. Torture. Oh. Yeah, it's torture. That's right. Torture. Good way to I call just... it, torture. It is torture, right? Yeah, I can only imagine. Yeah. Right? And then wondering why the guys can't get it. Yeah. Right? And yeah. Why, the, why the gals can't get it. It's like, well, they can't get it because we're not giving them a chance. Yeah. Like, we're stripping them of any safety they've had. So we've taken away their best friend, their drug and their booze, yeah. right? We've taken it away. You can't have that. And you can't have this that makes you feel a little bit better because this counteracts this, except it doesn't, right? Like the one thing a depressive like myself needs is medication so that I can actually do the things in my sobriety that make me get better, that help me get better. That's right. right? Yes. Um, but it, without that, what I was finding was that I was struggling, right? And of course, inevitably, I was on death's door and went to my doctor and said, hey, like if, if you don't help me with my depression, I'm going to kill gonna myself die. tonight. <laughs> Like, I'm, I might kill myself tonight. Yeah. And he just brought me in, shut the door. We had conversations, and I was on medica medication, right? And then from there, we found the best one that worked, right? That didn't counteract other things I was trying to do. Yeah. Um, and I think people who often say, don't take your meds, they've never taken meds, right? And that's okay. Maybe they haven't had to. Um, and thank God not everybody has to take them, right? Like, not everyone's depressed like me. Um, <laughs> but, or like your mom, right? Mm -hmm. But there are those who are. And a lot of us who come from addiction, and especially like if they're on the street or been in prison for a long time, um, they've, they, need, they might need some help, right? Because first of all, our prisons break people. Oh. They don't rehab people. No, they, they break them, Unfortunately, right? yeah. Yeah, and... Yeah. Um, you see that as well, mm -hmm. because you guys get you guys take in parolees, right? We do. Yeah, mm -hmm. and um, and other I'm assuming other uh, corrections stuff like probation or whatever. Yeah, probation yeah. with the poet. Uh, yeah. Oh, with the poet. Prolific offenders. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Perfect. Like I mean, this see this stuff is changing in such a good way, and I'm so happy to to hear that that yeah. um, well that you're there, because mm. you obviously you. have a giant ginormous heart, right? Like for. I, I don't know. I, I yeah. you know, I... I <laughs> when you lavish people with compliments, they get really uncomfortable. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I noticed that. I was like, I think I went too far. <laughs> she's, now she's ready to run. 
It's just, you know, I've had, uh, like, my career, when I think about the things that I've done, I've done mm -hmm. a lot of things, and, yep. uh, like, like I said, I grew up in McMurray, mm -hmm. went to university, went back, worked at Syncrude, and then left and was an entrepreneur for mm -hmm. the next dozen years. And then uh, when the marriage broke down, I thought, okay, I need to do something, right? Mm -hmm. Get a job. And I said I wanted to be in education or a not-for-profit. Yeah. Um, wasn't thinking about addiction then. Yeah. But I ended up in education for 14 years and mm -hmm. loved it. But then when I finished there, retired there, um, I, I took like 15 months off when mm -hmm. my daughter came home. And then I was very intentional about coming to Simon House. Mm -hmm. It's absolutely what I wanted to do. Yeah, and sure seems that it way. It feels um, perfect. Like mm -hmm. I don't even, I can't even describe it. Like it just feels like a really good fit. Yeah. And I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing, right? Yeah. That's how it feels. That's yeah. so cool. Yeah. So uh, do you have anything else you want to talk about? No? no if you had any suggestions that you would give people out there, maybe they don't know what to do, like, or how to find help, what would you tell them? You know, we, um, so we have a family care program, okay. right? And when I go to graduations, oftentimes families will come, moms, dads, mm -hmm. siblings, and I talk to them and I, I say to them, you know, if you need supports, um, give me a call. Mm -hmm. I have a lot of different, you know, uh, meetings even, like yeah. Al-Anon, Nar-Anon, uh, smart recovery meetings for mm -hmm. loved ones. Oh, okay, yeah, great, you know, and they'll sit, sometimes they'll come to the office, mm -hmm. we'll sit and chat about stuff, but it's, it really, um, it, I, I don't get the sense that they think they have a problem, mm. and maybe they don't, maybe they're not all wrapped up in their adult child anymore. Yeah, but most, most times. But most times I think, you know, there's, one mom comes to mind and, and she, you could, you know, talking to her and the eyes are tearing up mm -hmm. and you just think, oh my God, like I can mm -hmm. give you some supports, right? But they don't connect. They don't yeah. connect. I think there's a fear maybe. For sure. Um, and a lot of resistance just even to, to, to make a change, yeah. even to make a change in your thinking. Like, mm -hmm. you know, it's, uh, it's scary like to think, well, of course I'm going to be running around like a crazy woman after, like that's what I'm supposed to be doing, yeah. right? What do you mean I'm not supposed to be doing that? Yeah, what do you so, mean that's unhealthy? Like, what? <laughs> what do you mean I have a problem? <laughs> How dare you? Yeah. This sounds like a her problem, yeah, not this, a me yeah, problem. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Fix her, everything will be right. Yeah. But yeah, it, it's, it's hard to go within and just see, mm -hmm. you know, how sick your thinking becomes. Yeah. It's hard to accept that, really. Yeah, it really is. Um, and it's very easy to just focus on the person that's, suffering yeah and go well it's all there right yeah this is why you know yeah yeah thank you so much Bria thank you yeah this was awesome I uh I, I was gonna lavish you with compliments but we'll we'll wait because <laughs> she might run out the door um but yeah thank you so much for coming I I was so it was so nice to meet you at Simon House when I went there is can you just tell us a little bit about all the programs you guys got there oh because yes. there's new stuff going excited on excited to super excited so um Currently, we have our, our core treatment pro program, which in, involves the group therapy as mm -hmm. well as the one-on-one. -on -one. Um, but we, uh, last year, launched our Indigenous program. Mm -hmm. So that, uh, it helps our Indigenous clients connect with their culture mm -hmm. and their way of healing. Mm -hmm. um, but it also is open to all our clients and 
all of them have gotten something out of it. Yeah. Um, there's daily smudges. Oh. And, um, you know, we the feedback from clients that are non-Indigenous, they yeah. say, you know, wow, because we teach about history mm -hmm. and the residential schools and some of the trauma, and they go, I just never <coughs> knew. Yeah. And now I know, and so now when I go out, they have a, an appreciation, right? So that, That's powerful. I just got goosebumps. Yeah, yeah. That's so it's powerful. It's beautiful, you yeah. know, it's beautiful. And, um, and at graduation, some of our Indigenous clients and non uh, talk about the program and how mm -hmm. that was like, wow, that really helped yeah. me. You know, when I was feeling stuck with the 12 step, yeah. this really <coughs> connected yeah. me, right? So that's wonderful. Powerful. We have our family care and our aftercare. Mm -hmm. So family care, I talked about a bit. Yeah. Um, the aftercare is really for our, our guys. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> um, connecting with alumni, we now um, connect them with Recovery Coaches Alberta. So oh, if they right want on. to, so they can keep developing their plans. Yeah. Um, and supports, right? Mm -hmm. uh, they can come back. Uh, yeah. They can always come back to Simon House. Um, and they can always, if they need, see, you know, talk to their counselor mm -hmm. if they want, right? Wow. So that's there. And um, we are really excited because we're developing programming for the, we're calling it the 2S LGBTQ+. Oh, nice. We put the 2S in front. Yeah. Um, I like it better like that. Do you? Yeah. Okay, well... Steve and I'm, I, I identify as queer, so I really appreciate the two S at, at first because that's well, the first a, people. They were the first people, a, right? Yeah. yeah. And it was, it's also associated with Indigenous, I yeah. think. So it's instead of leaving them behind, let's put yeah. them in the front. Yeah, that's why I like so it. So we're developing um, that programming right now. Wow, cool. And um, our hope is that in the spring, like the end of March, mm -hmm. April 1st, we can actually pilot this. Oh, so awesome. we're raising money. Um, mm -hmm. We just had a big, uh, like an open house yeah. uh, last weekend. It got some really good media coverage. You can see it on our website. Right on. Simonhouse.com. Yeah. Check and it out. Check it out. Yeah. And uh, so that's the one of the programs that we're working on. We're mm -hmm. also, um, we've got a, uh, what do they call it? Indigenous Family Reunification Program. Oh, wow. And so that's a program in, in collaboration with Alcove. Yeah. So if we have a family, so a mother um, and a father, mm -hmm. and they're struggling with addiction, um, and if they're Indigenous or if one of them is Indigenous, mm -hmm. then what we do, we work with Alcove so we can get the parents into treatment around the same time. Yeah. And then we um, facilitate um, meetings and mm -hmm. with the with our guys in the family, yeah. the wife. So it, it's trying to yeah create that. And alcove, can they bring children? Yes. Yes. They can. Okay. I thought so. They that's could. the beauty of it. Yeah. So you'll have the mum with the child going that's through a treatment. First. The father could be at Simon House yeah. going through treatment, and then they can have these visitations, and it just yeah. family reunification, right? That's amazing. Yeah. So that's the other one, and then we're working on. Uh, what we're calling the expansion plan. Mm -hmm. And it's a very big vision. Mm -hmm. um, uh, the vision is to be kind of full circle in this whole uh, area, landscape of addiction yeah. and treatment. So it will start with detox mm -hmm. and then move into treatment um, and then move into transitional housing. Mm -hmm and supports for all of that. Yeah. And the wraparound uh, supports kind of thing? All the wraparound supports, yeah. um, everything to build recovery capital. Yeah. And so we hope to expand. So we have um, 
women, a women's program as well as a mm -hmm. men's, um, indigenous, of course, LGBTQ. You have a women's right now? We don't. Okay, but you're working on We're it. We're working on it. That's part of the That's expansion. That's part of the expansion gotcha. plan. And I mean, ultimately, it would be fantastic if we could actually have families, like, like a oh my goodness. family treatment plan, right? Can't even imagine. I know, but can you, like families that struggle? It would be so amazing. For the kids, it would just be yeah. super healing. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of our plan, and it cool. will be launched. We are yeah. um, um, working on that and, mm -hmm. and looking to raise funds for that. So that's, right on. that's it. Yeah. Excellent. Well, Lots thank of stuff you. Going on. Yeah. That's a lot. You guys are busy. Lots. And yeah. I got to tell you, as soon as the TP went up yeah. there, oh my God, I could just feel this shift in the air and it felt so good because we haven't seen that, right? Like that stuff from, from non-Indigenous programs specifically, yeah. just to have a, a treatment center to do that, you know, because it's the right thing to do and yeah. it can help and it can yeah. make a huge difference. Oh man. What a, what a good deal. Yeah. You're doing have, good stuff. We have um, guys now that are sleeping in the teepee. Yeah. So we have one of our recovery coaches who's indigenous. And there's, I think, four or five men that can sleep in there at one yeah. time. But they'll go in there and our recovery coach will tell stories. Um, <clears throat> like history and culture. Unbelievable. And, and then the guys sleep there and they yeah. just love it. I thought that the street noise might be too much. Yeah. No complaints. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, they just love it. That's amazing. Yeah. Thank you, Priya. Thanks.